spoiler alert. Going full spoilers on the show today. What's up, everyone? I'm James. We're talking Batman. No, 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 Batman, that Batman. We got Andrew Fantasia, Ron McDonald, and Scotty Hot from Hawks College Rons. And Andrew from the Andrew Fantasia channel. Check them out. <laughs> they're, they're vibing to the music. Cut that off abruptly. Let's get this going. Don't uh, you look, dare got... turn that off. <laughs> I'm so glad it cut out. <laughs> we're going full spoiler talk on Batman. If you haven't seen the Batman yet, we did a non-spoiler talk last night. You can check that out on the channel. I'll put a link in the description below. I should have done that before we did this recording because I'm lazy. I'm lazy, so I didn't. Uh, but this is going to be our spoiler talk. We've got a list of topics to talk about. And then we have some email questions that we're going to get to as well, all regarding the Batman, all spoilerific, fun stuff to go. But before we get started, let's go around. Yes or no, very quickly. Andrew, will start with you, then Scotty, then Rob. We'll go around the room, around this round squared table here. And you guys let me know if you liked or did not like the movie The Batman. Liked. Liked. We're talking about the Batman show, right? Oh no, the Batman the show, uh, the Brave and the Bold. Liked. <laughs> liked. Okay, so no one, no one, everyone just listened to what I said. I also liked it. So we have four likes. Uh, case closed. Goodbye, everybody. Yeah, that's it. Uh, See you next time. Wait. <laughs> See you next time. Same bat time, same bat channel, as they say. Always a lot of fun. I look. I love this movie right from the get go. I thought it was fantastic, but hold on a second. Let's give them three, two, one. Spoilers start now. Spoilers are in. I love this movie. From top, from beginning to end, I was all in. This movie, Andrew, I saw it with you, and the movie started. I don't know how you guys saw it, but there were the trailers kind of came, and then there was like, Cineplex cleans your seats, and they showed them spraying the seats, <laughs> and then Warner Brothers logo hit the screen, and everything went quiet. And we're like, "Is this the movie? What's going on?" Like there was, it did not get me. It did not prepare me. I was not mentally prepared. You know, that like three seconds you get where they're like feature presentation or whatever they used to do. I don't know. That's the eighties. But what they used to do, I wasn't mentally ready. And then all of a sudden, the the heavy breathing of the Riddler, the uh, the the Jack Reacher intro, the whole thing. <laughs> I was just like, wow, this is awesome. And then when they take you into the mayor's uh, loft, apartment, condo, whatever the hell he was in, when they take you in there and he's on the phone, you're like, well, this guy's going to get off. We all know he's getting off. We've seen the trailer. We know what's happening. And he's on the phone, hangs up the phone. Then he opens the phone and then he walks away. And the Riddler guy is just standing right behind him. My heart stopped. The guy in front of me jumped. Like he leaped, he went from his seat to the row in front of him. <laughs> uh, but let, but we'll start again this time. We'll start with Rob. And we'll go the reverse way. Sky, it looks like you're always going to be in the middle of these. Well, we'll change it up a bit. But, but Rob, well, how did how did the opening of this movie affect affect you? Like, uh, what did you think of it? How did it affect you going forward? Ah, uh, yeah, it was a very solid opening for the movie. I was afraid, like for a second, because as soon as I saw that with the the family and stuff like that, I was afraid it was a flashback for a second. But it was quickly like re- realized that I'm like, okay, thank God, I'm not. We're not watching the the Waynes again with with young Bruce. That's what I thought for oh, like no. half a second, and then it was like, okay, <laughs> yeah, I was I, I was worried. I was worried that that's what we were getting. But then, like, yeah, as soon as they got into it, it was straight in, up the creepy vibes. It was. You know, it was a horror. It was a horror right off the bat. 
right off the bat, Scotty. Um, the beginning of the movie for me was a roller coaster because the last trailer that they showed before this started was Sonic 2. So here I am, like, <laughs> yeah, let's go, like super happy about that trailer, and then immediately thrown into this. And uh yeah, I agree. The breathing, like his breathing throughout the whole movie just kept bringing me back to like that rage that you know he has in there and this is just like a way for him to outlet it i had that whole vibe throughout the whole movie dude has issues <laughs> he definitely has issues andrew for sure well you guys know how much i love halloween the halloween franchise like that's one of my go-tos and like it was so michael myers of them yeah. and i wasn't expecting that i was expecting you know, the, the comparisons to Jigsaw and the comparisons to the Zodiac Killer, because those were all spelled out for us. But to have that moment of just like the mayor is going to walk this way and there's Riddler in the shadows. Uh, like I had this reaction like <laughs> and uh, I I was I was expecting a really cool Riddler, but I was not expecting Riddler to horrify me. So that was just this extra pleasant surprise right off the top that told me like, dude, you don't even know what you're in for yet. So the Riddler the was... Yeah, go, go ahead. On, but I was just going to say all I the horror gonna... stuff. <laughs> this is the beauty of streaming these things. Uh, all the yeah, horror all stuff just kind together. of, yeah. Uh, he, every time he showed up, he got scarier and scarier. That's how he felt for me. The, the one thing, my feeling with the Riddler was, yeah, he started scary and he just like drifted into the Riddler. Like the Riddler that we know. He went from like a psycho psycho, like, serial killer psycho to crazy Batman villain as the movie went on, but it was a natural progression for this character. And by the time he got to the Riddler that we all know, I was on, I was, I was, I was down with that progression because it was so natural and it felt like this is where the character would go. And I got, I got to get one thing off my chest before we move forward. And I mentioned this yesterday, this movie did two things that I really appreciated. One, as I said yesterday, it righted the wrongs from Am from Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 in regards to the parents and the mysteries surrounding the parents. It actually stuck the landing on that storyline. It didn't leave it for the third movie that doesn't exist. It did it all. <laughs> and the other one, guys, was, look, I'm a huge fan. Scotty, I know you're a massive fan of the Adam West show. You watch it every day. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> I, I grew up watching the Adam West show. And one thing in that show is if you guys, it might've been the movie. I don't know what it was. I was a kid and I watched it all together, but it was uh, Catwoman dies in the Adam West show because she is stealing jewelry and she won't let go. And, and Adam West is like, Catwoman, you have to let go. And she's like, no, I can't. And instead of letting go, she falls to her death and Batman can't hold her any longer. And in this movie, they reversed it. Catwoman holds Batman and pulls him up. And all I could think about was in the back of my head, like that's from the Adam West show. I know they just pulled that out of there. <laughs> Those are two things I want to get off my chest. But in that scene, just jumping forward with the Riddler stuff that we were talking about, the, the Riddler's goons, the Riddler's goons. I, that was the moment when I said, I effing love Batman because all the bad guys always have their goons with them. They're thugs. And they're always kind of like, well, not in real life. And they did this in a way where I was like, oh man, that's crazy. That's how it would probably go down. I mean, it was obviously more, it was over the top and everything, but the I just, 
in the trailer when you see Batman fighting the Riddler in the Raptors, I was like, what's up with that? Nope, not fighting the Riddler. There's no fight with the Riddler at all in this movie. So, so Scotty, anything you want to add to Eartha Kit? <laughs> I think uh, there that was some guy crit- there was some criticism about the whole uh, you him being a YouTuber or a streamer or something like that. But I think like the way I took that, it was, it was just a natural progression of what that character was doing because he was live streaming the the kills and things like that. Uh, but there's a lot of people who think that that was like a directed right at us, like the <laughs> YouTubers, you know what I mean? And the part of society, um, they, I mean, they even had a chat room where it was like, this is where you can get these supplies and this is the type of ammunition. And it I kind of that. like, it took me back to like dark times with like schools and crisis events. And, you know, I, this whole movie creeped me out like all the way through. Rob? Uh, well, yeah. So, so we're, what, we're talking about the, uh, his, add to Scotty's point. Add to Scotty's oh, point. well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Riddler was ultra like creepy hundred percent. Yeah. And it was like, it was very real, especially by the end of it. Like it literally felt like this, but the climax of the movie felt plausible, like very, very plausible. And, um, like not even plausible, maybe even possible. And that it could happen. Like, in a few days or something like that. Right. Like it wasn't like the dark night where it ends like, you know, and that, that third act is like, you know, scary a little bit, but not really as possible, plausible as uh, something like this was. So it felt very real. Yeah. It, when the bombs went off, I was like, yes, (laughs) his plan. I think his like his plan succeeded, which is what I think we mm. talked about in a couple, like this week or a week before. Scotty was, is the Riddler going to win? God, I hope he wins because it would be nice. And he, you know, he wins and he loses at the same time because the, the, he can't win all out. But he, he, ninety five percent of the way won, Andrew. Yeah, he did, and that that made me happy for sure. Um, like to to your point, Scott, about how you know this is the right way to do Riddler's followers. Uh, and it's funny because I remember they they released that image of him up in the Raptors and they're like, our clearest look at the Riddler yet. And it turns out that's not even the Riddler. Um, <laughs> yep. it, it took me back to something that I've been saying, like the Arkham games, for example. I love those Arkham games so much. By the time you get to the last one, Arkham Knight, you know, I, I sit there and I think like what, how the Joker has been a villain in Gotham and he's been famous for years and years and years and years. How are people still lining up to be his goons when he, like, it is clearly known if you go work for Joker, he will probably just kill you because that's the kind of guy he is. Like, why, who are these people that are like, yeah, sign me up, Joker. So the fact that this movie kind of took that and kind of put it front and center and said, yeah, that's a good point. Who are these people who would say, yes, we will go put our lives on the line for you, supervillain. And for the longest time in the movie, he does not have goons. And I was really digging that. I'm like, this is just one guy. I like the sound of that. And then when he did have goons, it didn't feel out of place. It was just like, yeah, these are, he is plumbing the depths of the web. He is going to some dark places and all these people, you see those comments. That is a very, unfortunately, common kind of comment thread to see on places like that. So none of it felt... There was never a moment where I was like, that that doesn't make sense. Why would those people do this? Uh, so they handled that magnificently. 
Well, actually, the argument for the Dark Knight goons are they're the mob goons, right? And he kind of we throughout the movie he kind of makes them his his minions, right? Yeah. So they do make they do make it work in that. Uh, I I loved it. Well, I thought right it was in the beginning of uh, right in the beginning of that movie. He's got all the people dressed up in the clown mask. They don't even know who he is. So that was my direct tie back. It's like yeah. they don't know who the Riddler is, but they're willing to follow him even to the point where they mask up and look just like him. So yeah. There were so many callbacks. To I love all when they were them, like all the movies. Yeah, everything. I, they were honestly. I'm telling you. I know the Adam West thing was a stretch that I just said, but there were, there were callbacks to every Batman, everything. And I think there's a lot of people right now saying that he, that Reeves disrespects what uh, Snyder did and the Snyder fan. But I, I honestly feel like it, it's very. It's it's Scotty. You said yesterday that it felt like they could live together, and I I don't disagree. But it also felt like this was Reeves' movie. This is what he was doing. He wasn't slighting anybody. It wasn't Ryan Johnson and J.J. Abrams. He wasn't doing any of that. He was kind of like, this is Batman. This is how my Batman is. This is how my Batman operates. That Batman can operate that way. But in this world, this is how it's going to be. So there's no guns. There's no this. There's no that. Which, you know, Christopher Nolan in The Dark Knight Rises specifically says to Catwoman, no killing. No killing. Don't kill him. Well, and the thing, too, that people... The thing that people forget about is that Batman lost his Robin as well. Like this Batman's only two years in. So when Batman starts to lose the people he cares about, that's when he starts not caring about it. Vengeance returns. (laughs) Right. If uh, if we're going to try to go chronologically through this, uh, no shame. I did kind of take notes while I was watching it. Uh, I just wanted to. to (laughs) Did you have one of those pens with the lights in it? No, I was just on my phone with it turned way down. Um, I promise I'm not recording anything. I'm just taking notes. Uh, but the mayor's kid, like there was a clear connection there with Batman right in the beginning. And I'm like, bro, if that's like one of the Robins and he's an orphan and they're good, the connection now, it's like I was trying to connect every single character. Oh, cool. I didn't <laughs> because even make the that universe Robin is connect. so deep, you know, and they're mm-hmm. doing shows. They're doing other movies for villains. Like, I just feel like it's it's going to blow up. Oh, yeah. And speaking towards like the beginning of the movie, it was like it was right after that Riddler scene that the the movie caught me and almost never let go of me. The narration it was well, because it started off at just like like as a gigantic fan of the long Halloween, October 31st. I'm mm-hmm. just like, oh, my God. And then he starts going to the monologue about about the shadows and all stuff. And then these guys just, you know, stealing one thing and then looking into the shadows, thinking that he's about to catch him and then gets run over by a car and stuff like that. And just the building up of the tension as there's the voiceover of Batman. I nearly cried in the movie. (laughs) I was sitting there watching this. I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, I feel like I'm reading a comic book. And Matt Reeves is bringing these favorite comp- Batman comic books of mine to life on the big screen. And I just could not believe it. I was losing it sitting there, getting goosebumps and chills up, up, up my entire body. Did you guys feel this way? Uh, I feel like with that opening scene taking place, like on Halloween, everybody putting the mask. And then later on, Riddler talking about the pumpkin pie. I felt like I was sitting there. I'm thinking, I wish this movie had come out like in the dead of fall. Uh, even like that, not to jump ahead or anything, but like one of the very last shots when he's on the motorcycle and Catwoman's on her motorcycle and they go their separate ways. Mm-hmm. That is the most autumn looking Gotham city I've ever seen with just like an overcast sky and like brown leaves. They cross that bridge. And I'm like, God, I wish it was Halloween season right now. 
Yeah, that's a good point because it yeah, would it have like, been uh, like it, it was in October. I, it was an October uh, release, like before this one, right? So we could have we could have literally had it as a fall. I think movie. it was originally June. I think it was no, no, but it was like the, the October. But if you look at the first trailer, I think it was said October, uh, something like that. Like it was like the, oh, I the, the first the, one was June. No, no, yeah, that, that was the original release date, but then it was like by the time like they already got delayed by COVID once, and if you looked at that first trailer, it was set. Yeah, to it was going to be early October. Yeah, it was going to be early October, and then COVID I think struck again, and they had to. Yeah, the had to movie keep had me when uh, with the opening shot of Gotham when it just panned down to the street level. Mm-hmm. All of those shots of Gotham, I was like, this is, is Sin City, the movie Sin City. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. I got chills just all these connections i was making in my head it was awesome yeah on that point scott like gotham was a big deal for me too because gotham city is my favorite batman character and as much as i love the nolan movies that was a boring ass gotham city that they gave us um so the fact that this got like as soon as we saw the mayor's house and how it looked you know i'm not making a pun here it looked gothic the architecture was gothic the inside was like turn of the century gothic and then wayne manor was the gothic i was like Wayne, yes this is gotham this is how i want it to be it was just all the things it was like somebody who's like let's make an andrew fantasia centric batman movie please. <laughs> <laughs> yo and shout That's out so to the, with gotham and the river. shout out the investigator that was doing nothing but following batman around and taking pictures <laughs> yeah. of literally everything he looked at <laughs> she was like oh all right, I'll take that. Oh, what are you I actually, here? I actually like that guy. By the end of the movie, I'm like, I like this character. Is he going to be on the? Do you think he's there for the HBO Max show? They're like, all the reshoots were just throwing him in so he could carry the HBO Max Gotham HBO Max <laughs> Gotham City show. That's why he's there. So when we watch, I think like, some oh, of yeah, those guys him. will be in there. I think that this yeah. um, Penguin show now is going to dive into the renewal project. I think that's where mm. that show is going to go. We could get flashbacks to the Moroni events and everything and, and play out how Falcone came to rise. Yeah, because we didn't see yeah, that... Moroni's like Moroni could technically be is, played right? by him, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Could, anybody could play him at this point. Oh, yep. Anybody. They could get to turtle yeah, back. That'll be a big reveal for the show, I think. <laughs> yeah. Rob, go play Moroni. <laughs> go play Moroni. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> Rob, you're wearing a Batman shirt right now. I am. Boom. Oh, he made a joke to the guy walked up to him. He's like, I bet this is your favorite night of the week. Mm -hmm. It was Halloween and he was like, yeah, yeah, they were good jokes. The other joke about him wearing gloves. (laughs) Yeah, it was like he's contaminating. Well, no, the part where he was was contaminating the crime scene and commissioner looked at the guy and he's like, he's wearing gloves. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, there was it has some good. It was. It, it it kept it light when it needed to because it got intense. Like the Riddler again, when Gil Colson gets in his car and the Riddler and you know the Riddler's in there waiting for him. You know, there was a kid in our theater, Andrew. I don't know who in their right mind was like, we should bring our kid to go see the Batman. This looks like a really good fun time for the family here. I, and I, they were very quiet, if you remember. They they I said yesterday, Andrew, I couldn't read our theater, but I don't think anybody enjoyed it. Like I was like, did nobody enjoy this movie? Because it was dead as like as silent as can be in that theater when it ended i had to look at you and be like did, did you like it because i really did and yeah. i feel like i might be the only one like nobody seemed to enjoy everybody was miserable when it ended 
Well, it, it was it was very silent throughout the movie. There wasn't a lot of like big cheering moments in the movie and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. when the movie ended, in my screen, the fan screening, there was a standing ovation. So nice. that, that was that was that was something. It was a full theater and just standing ovation afterwards. And there was a kid in my theater as well, except they walked out after the bo- uh, the bomb scene with uh, uh, Skarsgård or Sarsgard or whatnot. The, 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 that, that's when they walked out, which I thought was a little weird. I'm like, there were plenty of dark moments for you to walk out before. And they, they chose yeah. that to be like the really scary part, I guess, <laughs> to, to make them walk out of it. And it's funny. Cause that's like the, the you're, you're muted, darkness. They kind of, it's like peak darkness. It gets lighter after that moment. It's like yeah. the movie kind of like calms down after that and becomes a Batman movie gradually after yeah. that moment. That's when, that's what all hell breaks. I was gonna say, there. like, was what it the great... first head or the second head wrapped in duct tape? Right. <laughs> that that made you leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> like, what a what a great movie. Okay, let's move on, guys. We're gonna let's talk a little bit about the good, the bad, and the ugly of this movie. What we liked to what we didn't like, and what we hated, if there's anything that we hated at mm-hmm. all in it. For me, I will say uh there are two from there were two moments that two things in this movie that I, I wish that, that didn't quite work for me. One was in that awesome cart, the Batmobile chase, which I thought was a phenomenal chase with the penguin. Just awesome. So much fun. The coincidence of the truck kind of lowering as a ramp for the Batmobile to, <laughs> to jump off of. I was like, ah, oh, you could have like maybe yeah. made it like already down and had him drive towards it a little bit. I was like, that's a little bit coincidental, but whatever. Like, if that's not down, he can't get the penguin. And then the whole movie is different. And the other thing, too, is uh, I kind of wish we got one more scene with Alfred at the end. Just like one little like acknowledgement that, hey, he's he's not dead. He's I mean, he's not because obviously he's not. But, you know, just a little bit of just one little moment of him and Alfred at the end of the movie. Uh, I kind of would have appreciated. But those are the only two negatives that I really took away from this. My absolute favorite, my favorite villain is the Penguin. And Colin Farrell was in it way more than I thought he was going to be. And when he was in it, he was phenomenal. And we all thought he looked like Richard Kind when we first saw the makeup, but watching <laughs> the movie, he was he was Robert De Niro. He was like a Dude, fat Robert De Niro. And he he was he was funny. He had his limp. He the the thing is with that character though was the makeup and Colin Farrell combined are what really made that character because when he's angry, you're like, oh he's angry. But then when he's kind of like dumbfounded and shocked when he's being interrogated by by batman and gordon he's like his facial expressions are just like amazing and that's 90 percent makeup right like colin farrell's doing the puppeteering face he's basically a puppet and his face i'm like that is so, like his face was just so perfect his expressions were amazing i i just i thought that was phenomenal i also thought catwoman was probably one of our best catwomans not that we've had that many really but i mean we have i guess but she was phenomenal and uh commissioner gordon was a standout for me in this movie like he was toe-to-toe with the batman he worked with the batman he was the robin to to batman he worked with him he did a lot with him uh so those for me those are my standout there's a lot more good i could say but i'm gonna let uh, rob take it from here uh yeah there was uh, definitely a lot of good i i concurred with you about the uh, alfred thing i felt like it needed an extra scene in there and who knows maybe that's gonna be a deleted scene at some point maybe they they cut it for time or something like that but uh you know uh that that was one added point that i think could have done a little bit better and also like even though like I'm looking at the movie and I see hard, like difficulty cutting stuff. It did feel like 
it was a little bit too long. Like it was like five or 10 minutes too long, but at the same time, I don't know what you would have cut right now, right now off the top of my head. But like, yeah, it just felt like it dragged just a little bit, just a hair, a little bit at the end towards the end. Um, but uh, yeah, like that, that, that's what it, I mean, you touched off as a negative, but as a gigantic plus for like huge positive for me is the introduction of the Batmobile in general in this movie. Like I oh, no, that was this, phenomenal. I, I watched this in an IMAX screen and I just when that engine revs, like you know, I know this is like a muscle car and stuff like that. And physically the Tumbler and Aflex Batmobile are physically much big, bigger vehicles. But this this Batmobile sounded way bigger than all those ones. It was a horror character and the way that score played it all up like I was just like geez this this batmobile is relentless it's like literally if you're driving behind him and batman is chasing you i'm i, I might pull over and just be like take me in, take me in batman <laughs> i don't want you to follow me anymore because uh, i think i just went out of all orifices i it's all gone everything in my body body is gone because i just heard you rev up your edge of mind <laughs> i'm done and it, I, I, got, just I love that design for it yeah no i know I you didn't like that it's specific not, moment. it's not the scene it was just the one the ramp one. just felt like I was like, I'm like, ah, like it was just everything yep. is so like grounded. And then the ramp is just like, ah, here you go. Click. You know, that was it's like if that's your biggest problem with a movie in three hours. <laughs> anyway, go on. Tom. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and and it was like that was a huge highlight for me. And, you know, even though I understand, like, you know, in, exactly why it was used. I mean, um, the, the the Batman squirrel outfit was a little. <laughs> A little odd, like I, 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 I don't, I don't know how much I love that, but that's again little tiny nitpicking stuff. That's like you know, not, that did not really affect my enjoyment of the movie all that much at all. That's funny. The squirrel suit had me smiling at, like from ear to ear because I was like, because it's so practical. And I'm like, I love those suits. I'm like, yes, he's doing it. Batman should do that. That's how I felt. But to each that was the Scotty. superhero landing that I laughed at. Yeah, the- <laughs> <laughs> he nails, nails his head off the bridge. Yeah, it's so good. So good, Scotty. What's your good, bad, and the ugly? Um. Okay. So it's really hard to summarize like my highlights of the movie, but for me, like if the Riddler is a sign of any future villains that we're about to get, including the mob guys, I think um we're in for some treats as far as the way they're building these characters. Uh, Bruce Wayne's intelligence and the way that he has the contacts and then is studying the tape every night writing in that journal or i don't even think it's a journal i think that is literally like step-by-step memories of the entire night and that the guy is taking notes of situations combat situations etc etc so when people are talking about his combat prowess i think he's really paying attention to every single thing that's happening around him and he's a lot smarter than we know uh the father's cufflinks thing was really cool the the fact that Alfred was being a dad, even though this kid didn't want him to be dad. He knew that this kid needed him to be there for him. And uh, this is going to be nuclear, man, because I am one of the biggest Joker fans that I know. (laughs) But the laugh and the lip makeup and not seeing it fully in the light, dude, like... I don't know. I'm not sold on the dude. The voice, I'm not sold on it. I need more. I need a little bit more. Um, but other than that, like that is my nitpickiest thing I could say, just because I am a super hyper fan of the Joker. But 
if it really is going to be him, I don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> That's it. How about you, man? Well, I think I think the thing with the Joker is they they didn't want to. I think the problem was they didn't want to commit to it. Andrew, how are you? Yeah. How about you for the good, the bad, and the ugly? For the good, the bad, and the ugly. Oh boy, let's see. Uh, yeah, the Batmobile definitely. Like, I'm so happy the Batmobile looks like a car again, um, and not just like a car, but kind of like the '60s car, <gasps> right? Um, very nice to see that. Uh, I. One of the biggest standouts for me was the score. In my eyes, Michael Giacchino, or rather in my ears, Michael Giacchino can do no wrong whatsoever. And this is just another example of how much not wrong he is constantly able to do. Uh, this is my favorite score of any Batman film by a wide margin. Uh, it's just, the, the themes are all beautiful. They're so catchy. Catwoman's theme is like the best piece of music the best piece of original movie music I have heard since the Avengers theme 10 years ago, putting that on the table right now, Catwoman's theme. Mwah! Give me all the themes. Um, I guess you're getting her own show or movie. Oh yeah. yeah. She's yeah, so getting, big. Uh, especially if that means we get to see Bloodhaven. Yeah. Rock on. <laughs> um, so that, yeah, the score for me was a big one. Riddler for me, obviously is, is part of the good. He is everything I wanted him to be. And so much more, so much scarier. Um, if I have any gripes, I think there's two things that stand out to me. And it's funny because one of them isn't even my gripe. It's just, I can see it now. And you guys will all sort of see where I'm coming from here because of the age we live in, the age where people seem to, especially online, seem to have no suspension of disbelief anymore. Like it's just gone. I guarantee you within the next few months, everybody is going to be nitpicking on the fact of, how did Batman survive that explosion in the church? He was standing right in front of the guy. Like that is going to come up constantly. Um, and I feel like it, I, I'm not bothered by it, but at the same time, I understand like it could have been a very easy fix. Like Reeves could have just been like, Robert, just go like this with your cape, anything, you know, just any little thing. I, to thought, I thought he got his gauntlets up. I thought he was literally like this with his gauntlets. Okay. If he did, great. I thought, then I, I, thought, I, I, thought, I I didn't quite catch it. Maybe, maybe I was just blinking. I don't know. But uh, I, I just feel like there's going to be a lot of people who are like, "This movie's stupid. That couldn't really happen." Uh, but for me, the my gripe is, I wish they had gone further with Thomas Wayne as an asshole instead of backpedaling. Uh, the whole like Alfred having this big moment where he's like, "No, your dad was a good man." Um, I just, I don't think we live in the day and age anymore where we can defend the actions of billionaires. Just, we can't, we can't. Um, and the fact that, you know, he did this thing and he's like, yeah, put, take care of this reporter. He's snooping around. I don't want him to uncover what I'm doing. Uh, I wanted them to go further with that. I wanted them to do what the Joker movie did with Thomas Wayne, but make it even more important and heartbreaking because now we're seeing this person through his son's eyes. And I didn't like that Alfred just kind of came there and was like, no, trust me, he's a, he's a good guy at the end of the day. Uh, because it it kind of diminishes everything Riddler's doing and it diminishes the lesson that Batman needs to learn. Uh, so I wish they'd gone further with that instead of backpedaling with it. That's all. I didn't, I didn't mind that because what that reminded me of, and I thought they did it better in this one, was The Last Jedi with Luke and Kylo. And you got and 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 how they there was you don't know what the truth is is it this or is it that 
And the only one that knew it in this one was Falconian. And he goes, bye-bye. He's the only one that actually knows because Alfred doesn't really know. So Alfred is just telling Bruce what he believes because he believes Thomas Wayne is a good man. Maybe he's not. Maybe what Falcone said was actually the truth, but we don't know. So I, I actually, uh, I know what you're saying. I just kind of disagree because I think that kind of played out because you don't really know where they're at on it, right? Mm-hmm. It's They're kind of here or there. And and uh, I think, he, I mean, he's still, regardless of anything, he might have been a good man, but he went down some dark roads, Rob. Well, yeah, and it's like we still got potentially two more movies, so there might be more of an onion to peel back about, about the Waynes in general. So, you know, they, we, we cannot be done about him finding more stuff up about uh, his mother and father and, you know, things that he might have to fix up. And, like, you know, if you're ta- talking about one more part about the Waynes and, and, and Bruce specifically, about, you know, like how, you know, they never showed it, and thank God they never showed the Waynes getting killed, but it's just like you you know what effect it had on bruce just by watching him as bruce just of seeing how fractured how broken this this person is right like this thing happened to him as a kid and it's affected him his entire life and it's just like um he doesn't know he doesn't know how to be a person right he delves he pushes himself into this batman role and it's like that's the thing where it's like you know people might have problems with the ending and stuff like that but i think that's beautiful that goes full circle to bruce wayne and what he has to learn and be by the end of the movie and um i just think like that through line about the bruce wayne character in this is just so powerful and they did it without without showing those pearls uh hitting the (laughs) hitting the uh ground so that's that's what i think which is so masterful of uh Matt Reeves. Yeah, and you're right. There's so many layers left to peel back, Rob, that like now more than ever, I'm like, these sequels better have uh, touch on some Court of Owls stuff and some Hush stuff mm-hmm. because that's where you can really get into the Waynes even more. Even Martha Wayne, I feel like there was something to her story that we don't know yet. Uh, Thomas is trying to protect her. She's possibly going crazy. I'm like, tell me more about Martha. Um, so yeah, I want to keep peeling that onion back. Well, Matt Reeves just came out and said the next H- another HBO show is the Arkham show. They're going to do an Arkham Asylum show, and that could really dive into Martha Arkham. I've Martha Arkham, Martha Wayne could definitely do it. Why did you say that name? <laughs> we'll never know. But this movie for me was more, way more positives than negatives. I think the one negative that a lot of people are going to take into, we're going to talk about this on an email question later though, is the runtime. A lot of people are going to have trouble with the runtime. My only suggestion for that is you know how long it is going into it, the end. Like, just live with it, because that's what it is. Like, we've all sat through long movies before. You all saw Titanic and King Kong and Lord of the Rings 1, 2, and 3. And there's been long movies, there's been longer movies, and there will be shorter movies. And just you don't be surprised when it ends and it's three hours and 20 minutes, 30 minutes at later. And you're like, oh, that was long. No kidding. Like, come on. We all know. Or, sorry, Mr. Rez is going to correct me. It's two hours and 56 minutes is the actual runtime. <laughs> You're including the trailers and the commercials, right? That's what, that's what, that's what, that's, that's the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. We only had, I think, 12 minutes of trailers in front of ours. It, was, it wasn't as long as I thought. There was one time when I was like, I just want to see what it was. And it was around 12 minutes. And I was like, that's for, okay. For, for a three-hour movie, that's all I want. I, I can't, you can't go longer than that. The well, Sonic the, the Hedgehog 2 trailer is actually part of the I, movie. I wish yeah. we got that. <laughs> for, for the fan screening, it was even shorter. It was only uh, the one minute, like, uh, what's coming for DC yeah. uh, trailer. They played that beforehand, and they played uh, um, 
uh, Dumbledore, that, that, that yeah. trailer, and then that was it. They went they went into they, the movie. So perfect. they just yeah yeah they they just went with the DC stuff. Moving right along, let's talk a little bit about the ending and what this could mean for a potential sequel but let's talk about the ending and let's break it down what does the ending mean what does it tell us the riddler succeeds explosions go off everywhere batman is not as smart as i thought he's not that smart (laughs) bruce wayne he's not that smart the riddler's plan went off without a hitch almost kind of i mean Mm. it did it went off mostly without a hitch his minions are the ones that failed it all but the the explosions go off all over gotham and gotham floods Right before that, we got that scene that we're going to talk about in a little bit. But the Riddler guys wins the day. Scotty, break down the scene. And what the heck do we learn from the ending? Well, we learn that the Joker supposedly is in Arkham. If that is Arkham, I think that's Arkham, right? Yeah, so Arkham. And uh, the Riddler believes that he's done trapped forever never gonna be able to you know fully realize what he's trying to do and bring all the corruption in gotham to light and then the joker is there basically giving him a pep talk like now this is just one setback and uh the line about comeback story i feel like that's gonna be the whole second movie and it's going to be for a lot of the villains, like the Penguin, like Falcone. And it's going to be almost like that Empire Strikes Back, bro. And the the dark villain types, uh, because Gotham is in martial law right now. And I dare say that the explosion divided Gotham right down the poverty line, too. So now you have the people that live in the upper uh, areas of the city not flooded and now you'll have all the slums and everything like in complete disarray uh, but I think that's where the story is going to go is further the divide in Gotham further the chaos and then give Arkham the opportunity to fall apart all these people escape and then it ends in even more chaos potentially but that's a lot of speculation <laughs> a lot of, lot of chaos yeah no, totally. And you're talking about the the flood and all that stuff. I feel like in that talk between Riddler and Joker, we were just like a, a sentence away. Like if it had gone just a little bit longer, maybe Joker would have been like, hey, I know you didn't like Carmine and uh, Penguin was a part of his crew, but you know what? I know Oswald pretty well and he actually has a sub. So, you know, <laughs> maybe uh, when we, we all can get out and then uh, get, get on the sub, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's the sequel right there. It's uh, the three villains on a sub, and maybe they'll see Catwoman as well. Yeah. <laughs> I love the fact that this movie ends with Gotham in, in complete disarray, but also with Batman becoming Batman. Batman is now the Batman, the Batman that we know and love from all these movies. He's no longer vengeance, right? He learns from the Riddler's goons that vengeance is maybe not what he needs to be propagating around the town so he decides i'm batman i am hope he is hope he is faith he is humanity and he helps everybody he saves everybody and i love the connection he has with that with the mayor's son throughout the entire movie it really came to an head at the end and you see like he's like this is i am i am portraying i am the wrong portrayal right now i need to be this and i love that it's almost reverse batfleck right like bat he batfleck learns it later on in life and he starts off one way actually it's not reverse it's the exact same so that's that's what i love I, it's just I know it's actually just him, but I just I thought that it was kinda, great. It, it is kind of reverse though too, because he he yeah he because he would have dark later. He started yeah yeah his dark parts yeah, were in like, the center of that. 
Yeah, he starts dark yeah. in this one, and that one he ends dark. But I, I just love, I love the way they did it, and it all came, came to it, and then, and then the Gotham and chaos, the the what is the National Guards coming in? You have that, and then you have Falcone is dead now, and on top of that, so now you have Penguin who's who's lurking now in the shadows, and he wants to be be the big cheese. He wants to, he wants to be the head honcho. He's got that great, uh, that great. Um, dusk shot of him looking out the window which is in all the freaking trailers and it's Mm -hmm. his last shot of the movie but you get that and you get the sense of this is this is a man a power hungry individual who's now going to do anything he can to go up because the one thing with the penguin i said as much as i loved the penguin before guys the one thing with the penguin was his reaction to falcone being the rat was i thought one of the best parts of the movie i should have mentioned this before but it was so good like it's very subtle and it's just a moment but it was so good his reaction because that's how it should be he was so pissed off because he is a loyal loyal gangster andrew break down the ending the ending it it raises a lot of cool questions about gotham and scott i love what you said there buddy but the the poverty line i didn't even think of that and that's gonna you know that's gonna have repercussions Miss Rael looks like she's a good mayor, but I don't think any mayor is that good of a mayor to bounce back from that so quickly. And I don't know if Gotham's real estate market is as ridiculous as ours here in Ontario, but if it is, the property damage they are looking at is, I don't think Bruce Wayne has deep enough pockets for that. So to think like, how, how are they going to get Gotham out of this? And then what does it look like when they do? Uh, and like, I hope, that the sequel doesn't pick up, you know, five years later and Gotham's back to normal. I hope it doesn't. I hope the repercussions of this flood still roll. And I think it will because for the first time, unless, you know, touch wood, I hope nothing happens to Paul Dano, but for the first time in history, we have a Batman movie where the villain can carry on um, and, you know, still potentially be a big threat. So, if the Riddler's uh, plan leaves behind these aftershocks and like the political upheaval of Gotham is all over the place and there is a power vacuum now, uh, I want to see that continue in a more serialized way than I think Batman has been before. So let's see Gotham get worse before it gets better. Uh, and let's see the, the, uh, the villains popping up and kind of like, what was it, Arkham City, where like every district just was like, the villain was like, okay, this is, this is my place now. This is where Two-Face rolls by the courthouse. Let's see what that looks like and how they play with that. And we could get some really cool combinations out of it. Give each I, villain a, a part of the city that later in the yeah. climactic battle, they turn into cannibalistic uh, living beings, like in Ninja Batman. Ooh. No, no, no one saw, no one saw Ninja Batman. I did see Ninja Batman. You guys need to see Ninja Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Cannibalistic yeah. cities. It's yep. I said it. Okay. The question is, will there, will that little kid, the mayor's kid, uh, uh, arm himself with a band of monkeys? Just like in that story. <laughs> All right. Moving yeah. on to what Andrew is saying. He brings up a very good point. The movie ends. It's Gotham's flooded. And you have the prisoners, and they're all alive. All of the villains, except for Falcone, are alive. They're all they can all move on, and we can get the Rose Gallery forever and ever and ever. And I thought this movie did a great job of using them 
for the mystery, for the plot, and not having them drive the plot. Like, I think that was a problem with the 90s movies where they try to have all, uh, not just those movies, a lot of superhero movies, they try to have the villains, they're like, we're going to team up. But this one was Penguin's got his crap going on there, Catwoman's got her crap going on there, and Riddler is the, the web above it all. And, right? and I really like the way that they did that, where they weren't, they didn't have to be connected, but they were all there and we knew who they were. But this movie now ends with this giant flood. Gotham is is in disarray. Uh, and the sequel is setting up perhaps something like a no man's land, which everybody seems to be speculating now is, is Batman no man's land, which Andrew, to your point would have, you know, the Joker here would have the Riddler there and they could do that. They just have to somehow get a way to get them out of Arkham, but I'm sure that would be easy enough. You just have to have one corrupt cop. And from this movie, we get the sense that, that uh, Gotham has many of those still around, but not the one who keeps following Batman. Definitely not that one. Uh, but Scotty, what do you think they're setting up for a sequel? Is it No Man's Land, or are they going to go a different route? I am not sure. Uh, I think even Robin, Robert Pattinson uh, said that he's a fan of the Court of Owls stuff. So I think if they're smart, the Court of Owls actually fits in really well uh, as a third-party threat. So he'll have like his threats from the mob, which are all very aligned, and we know their motivations. And then he'll also have this threat from Court of Owls, and uh, I think it could bolster him having to uh, recruit allies. And I know this is probably a ways, ways off, but Bloodhaven is also a reference to Nightwing because when Nightwing leaves Gotham, that's where he sets up shop. I don't know. I, I think eventually we'll get to a Robin and things like that. But I, I mean, I would even be cool with them seeing a Robin in the sequel. If I'm being honest. I think he needs uh, he needs someone to potentially lose, you know, to further that Batman arc. Uh, something about the ending, though, and we were talking about how audiences weren't really like reactive to it. When he cuts the high voltage, everybody's mom, girlfriend, sister, they all gasped because Catwoman's watching him in that moment. So that to me was just like they have done the Batman Catwoman stuff beautifully like if the non-sweaty people like that aren't super nerds or whatever are all reacting like that they're going to keep up with that uh batman catwoman stuff for sure yeah that was that was they did a great job i think they the batman catwoman uh chemistry and storyline was stronger in this than batman returns rob <laughs> I mean, I love Batman Returns, and their 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 Sorry. chemistry, Keaton and Pfeiffer's uh, chemistry, were was really fun. But uh, you know, you you only touched on it a little bit about Catwoman, but I completely agree. It, Kravitz is my my favorite live action Catwoman. Like as much as I love Julie Newmar, and you know Hathaway was all right, like she was okay. But Kravitz, they they found a way to give her really good emotional core, as well as giving her the growth in this possible um catwoman series to become catwoman right we got hints of the catwoman the cat cat burglary type of stuff um she, she had her mask but you know she she needs a better mask she's she's she saw batman take bullets off that mask he's like oh you know what i need something similar maybe this is what, what she might be thinking and uh yeah when it comes to the ending as well like you know maybe they could continue on with this flood stuff but you know at the same time maybe they could give that its due because of the penguins show and you know catwoman catwoman's probably not going to take place in uh, in gotham but like the penguin show uh if that th this it is in fact a sequel to this movie then you know they could play out a bunch of that uh you know the flood stuff in that show and you know 
who knows maybe mm. pattinson shows up for an episode or two or stuff like that so you know they could find a way of servicing how how big this flood was along with you know flashing forward you know a year or something like that for the next movie and then you know at the same time uh, uh, giving you something new at, uh, as well so yeah they th- that's the beauty about these shows is that they can find a way to do a different different story for their own in, in the sequel along with uh paying uh proper care to the uh actions of the batman with these shows that seem to be coming out you bring up a great point about catwoman's mask rob um, another thing that I think the sequels would have fun doing is if everybody is going to survive and move on and continue to be in the sequels, and I hope Catwoman's in it as well, mm-hmm. uh, I hope everybody's outfits kind of keep getting closer. Like, if eventually we get Paul Dano wearing a green jacket and a hat, I'm going to be doing freaking laps around the theater. I'm going <laughs> to be so he had that that mannequin thing in his office with the purple like bandana around it, and I was like, Riddler, Riddler's yeah. here, he's getting ready. His insanity is going to He's in the padded cell now, man. So oh, he's going to totally. start to lose ha- it. And, and Andrew, you're going to love this, but if he hangs out with Joker enough, he might go down a path of, I need to look like a psycho. Right? Joker it. would totally buy him a green jacket and be like, hey, check this out, man. Look what I got you. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I actually love the way... Uh, I wasn't sure how I feel about the Riddler's look in this. Like, I, I loved it. I loved all that, but like, I'm like, as the Riddler, am I going to love it in the movie, right? And I did. That's uh, mm. end of discussion. For me, you guys can have your own opinions, but uh, this movie raises a lot of questions about a sequel, how it's going to go, where it's going to go. We know that it's coming. The one thing that you guys brought up that I didn't even, for some reason, didn't even cross my mind is these HBO Max shows could definitely fill a void and expand on the story and be like, hey, remember in that story? We saw that. Let's move on. Um, so you can have, you know, Gotham could be deflooded or something could happen within that show. The Penguin arc is going to happen in that show. Maybe Penguin, unfortunately, isn't in the next movie because he gets his own show and it's all dealt with there. I hope that's not the case. The Gotham City PD is obviously happening, its own show, and then Arkham. So all those shows can come together to give us a sequel. I do want to bring one thing up because we um, think Robin was mentioned. He needs a Robin, right? Scotty, this is what you said. He's like, he needs a Robin. Did we see Robin in this movie? Was Robin already in this movie? And he is he in his two-faced clown makeup at the beginning of the movie, the one who would not kill the Batman, would not go or would not kill the uh the fellow on the subway. Do you think potentially we already saw this guy, this version of Batman's Boy Wonder? Well, Andrew, I'll start with you. From what I read, uh, that guy being Robin would be a cool way to do it. The only thing is, from what I've read that Matt Reeves, I think, and Pattinson have both said is because of how young this Bruce is, if they do Robin, they want him to be a child. And Two-Face Clown Guy would have been, he's a good candidate, but he looks like he's a bit too old. Um, So if you get somebody who's around the age of the mayor's kid, um, somebody in that ballpark who just has nothing left, then you're right. It's more tragic and like the stakes are higher of like, you know, it, I feel like that guy, Two-Faced Clown guy, can take care of himself if Bruce trains him hard enough. I feel like no matter how Bruce trains a child, that child is still a child. So the stakes are still more real. And you're still terrified every time he goes out onto a rooftop to help Batman fight crime. You're like, no, go home, kid. Just go go home and play FIFA. Don't Like, what are you doing? There's a Riddler around. He's going to get you. So I, I, I want them to, the way they kept playing up the horror here, you can play up the horror more with a younger Robin, because uh, kids in peril is always going to be scarier than a really badass teenager in peril. 
Yeah, I mean, whatever Robert Pattinson says doesn't matter. It all depends on the script. Scotty, do you think you got your wish and we saw the Robin? Or do you think he should be a little 13-year-old boy? Do you, like, Okay, but in all honesty, I, I understand what Pattinson's saying, and I get it. But would 13 be – if you go too young, at what point do you get too young? Do you know what I mean? At what point, Scotty? Yeah, it's going to be tough. I think they uh, – I don't think you can go too young – because then you start to get into like son of Batman. I would like if they're going to do young to it be like a Damien type character. And I'm waiting man. Damien in live action. He's going to be awesome when they do him. I don't and know. Damien's if you guys a messed it. up kid too. So <laughs> yeah. He's really good in the, co- in the uh, cartoon stuff. He's one of my favorite uh, characters and it's all the Raza ghoul like manipulation stuff too. That's a big part of that. That was one of my favorite parts of the Dark Knight trilogy. And I also think it's kind of funny that I don't think they're going to touch any of that in this trilogy. I don't think they'll go like Lazarus Pit or any of that stuff. So, Well, and no, what's funny and was okay they, they almost went the Venom route. Yeah. Because he's injecting himself with something green and he's getting a oh, yes. little bit yep. frisky afterwards too. Um, and, but I agree, Scott. I don't want them to go the league of shadows route and i got nothing against the league of shadows just because that whole last trilogy was so league of shadows heavy that i think we're good uh and again they don't translate well to the mystery noir that this is shaping up to be Uh, Mm -hmm. and i i feel that way about joker too where he's the kind of villain who's just like hey i'm blowing up this building come stop me uh it's it's not something detective Batman has to solve. It's just something bruiser Batman goes in and solves. Uh, so I don't know how they would do Joker in this world when this world is so mystery centric. Uh, they would really have to go a different route with him. Well, yeah, I mean, there's several things that they could, you know, adapt from Joker wise, especially if he's, you know, um, like, you know, similar to uh, Jack Nicholson, Batman, if he has to, you know, f- go full chemist, if, if if he's introducing a Joker toxin of some kind, mm-hmm. like, you know, that that's another part of the detective and detective noir that could uh, could come into place here. And as for uh, Robin, I mean, um, I kind of got like the same vibes from like the mayoral ki- uh, 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 kid oh, yeah, as sure. uh, I did from Joffrey Baratheon in uh, <laughs> in Batman Begins. I was just like, this kid's in this movie and, you know, maybe he's there as like, you know, a uh, red herring to make you think that he might be Robin, but he's not actually going to be Robin. That's right. uh, That's kind of like the vibe I kind of got from, got from it myself. Yeah. I was going to actually, my next thing, Rob, thanks for ruining it for everybody. I was going to bring up that kid as the potentially next Robin who fits in the age range. He fits in that age group. Mm -hmm. There we go. And I like your idea, Scotty, that you bring in the Robin because he needs that, but I don't know if they will. They all seem to be afraid to bring in Robin unless you've got the cojones of Joel Schumacher. Mm-hmm. Holy rusted metal, Batman. The metal, it's all rusty and filled with holes. I want a car. Mm-hmm. Chicks dig the car. <laughs> this yeah. is why Superman works alone. I could quote those movies all day. Let's go. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, Maybe uh, move- maybe they yeah. bring a circus to Gotham to, to bring up morale. Hey, there you go. <laughs> the underwater circus <laughs> for morale. I love it. I, whatever. Yeah. I hope the one, you know what? The one thing with this movie that I wasn't sure, because I think Nolan is a very different filmmaker. I don't want to sound different because I love the Dark Knight movies. Do, I don't want anyone to think that I'm not, but I, they're not, they're fun, but they're not fun. 
Do you know what I mean? Like they're like <laughs> down to earth, nitty gritty. They're like they're everything serious, right? Like I wear a mask, but but like I was like I wonder like, and then I saw this one. I was like, oh man, are we gonna do this again? Where he's not gonna do anything crazy, and it's not crazy, but I I think it this one feels like a little bit looser. Like and and you can like that or not. Like it's it, that's subjective, and I'm not saying one's better than the other. Just I felt like it was almost a little bit looser, where there's a little more leeway to go a little bit crazier in in this one, especially with the way the Joker looked at that one point, but it just, it felt like it just, honestly, it just felt like a little bit looser, a little bit loosey goosey to me in terms of going crazy. Like you said, he injected himself with something he had, he had a, his utility belt was back. That makes me so happy. Like he was like, what's getting out of his back. Yeah. And he has contact lenses, which is a little bit out there. Like, so it felt like it may, you know, I don't think we're going to get anything like super crazy. Like Pattinson mentioned Clayface. We're not going to get a Clayface or, or man bad or anything like that in this, but Reeve said he could probably bring in like a Mr. Freeze into it. And, you know, okay, you bring a realistic Mr. Freeze, that's fine. Just how are you going to do it? And then when you do that, that lets you, it's kind of like what Marvel did, right? They were like, here's Iron Man. You can't go straight to Thor. You got to like work your way there. Like, then Captain <laughs> America gets a little bit crazier. And then Thor's like, you're like, well, what the hell? Gods, let's do it. Like, you, I'm not, not that he's great. He's not bringing in Superman yet. Okay. He's not going to bring in Superman. Chill. We get it. We get it. We're all, <laughs> all good. Uh, let's move on to the Joker. Let's talk about the Joker scene quickly. Uh, this was a scene that Matt Reeves said, that he cut out. He cut out a scene with Barry Cohen. 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 I heard someone uh, Irish pronounce it, and now I forget. I'm thinking, I think it's, it's Kerry Keegan. Bar- Bar- no, it's not. It's Barry Cohen. Barry Cohen. Ke- yeah. Keen. Keen. I just know the That's G and the H yeah. is like kind of silent. They're silent. Yeah. Oh, okay. There's, yeah. yeah. Barry Keen. Like I play. So anyway. BK. <laughs> 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 So anyway, he said that that scene was. He said it was. There's a really fun scene that was deleted that we cut the cut out of the movie, and I and he said that because obviously word got out that that scene was in it. Like we talked about it on this channel a lot, and everyone was expecting the scene, and then to and then he said it wasn't going to be in there. So I was like, oh, I guess he's saying that so that when it's not in the movie, we don't get upset. And then it was in the movie, and I was like, and this scene. Uh, Scott, I'm going to start with you talking about this one, but this scene, it was one of those moments that I was like, you know, when you watch all these movies, like I said, on the non-spoiler review, that every movie we've gotten has basically been like Joker, Penguin, and then Catwoman, and then, you know, they, but it's usually just one villain, and they don't really, there's not much connection to anything, but this one was the Riddler and the Joker together, and the Joker flipped it and said that, and gave the Riddler the riddle. And the answer, of course, was a friend. And there was a moment there. And I thought that that, you know, now you have two of the of the upper echelon Batman villains, the psychotic clown and the puzzler, not really the puzzler, the Riddler, because <laughs> there actually is a puzzler. So I should have watched <laughs> what I said there. <laughs> and he's not the puzzler, it's the Riddler in this one. Um, but that was such it was an iconic scene. Scotty, what was your takeaway from that scene? Because you, you you said earlier, you know, that was one of your your uh, good, bad, and the ugly. One of the bad and the uglies was the Joker a little bit, and you're a huge Joker fan. I've seen your Joker makeup and costume from the 2019 movie. You went all in, and I don't even – was that movie even out when you did that? I don't even know if it was that. Uh, I like, think tra- I do Joker. a lot of things based on trailers. I do. I do. <laughs> uh, actually – it was That was a badass costume. Uh, going to expose yeah, myself. Yeah, here we go. But, uh, I got this. <laughs> I got this days after the trailer came out before that movie even <laughs> wow. released. Uh, she's like the epitome of Harley Quinn. And I've, I've always said that she is yeah. like what Robert Downey Jr. is to Iron Man. That that role was for her, basically. 
But the the Joker in this, only because they didn't show enough. Like it was, if they were going to tease it, it should have just been him laughing at the Riddler. You know what I mean? I think that would have had more impact. Um, but maybe they didn't do that because the laugh to me, I think just needs a little bit more something. Uh, really cool that he's in Arkham already and that that's how they're going to introduce him. I'm curious how he, if at all, has had effect on Gotham and got put in there. You know, why is he in there? Does Bruce know who he is? Does any of the other mob members know who he is? Uh, I have a lot of questions about, you know, why he's there. Yeah, yep. definitely, Rob. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I touched on like the Joker part at least uh, a bit myself already. But as like when it comes to you know Matt Reeves lying about you know the the cutscene or whatever, I do still remember of like the the brief picture or set picture or something like that of Barry Killen uh, Killen uh, on set in the police uniform that they thought he was going to yeah. be. So I wonder if he's he's lying but not lying at the same time as in like they they shot this little scene as like a misdirect and that's the scene that got cut and probably will we'll probably never see uh so i almost what wonder if, if yeah they did announce him as stanley merkel an officer stanley yeah. merkel which he's in he's from like, i think year one comic yeah he was a he was i don't, I don't know if, i don't recall if he was in that one exactly but he was a uh partner or like uh, of of uh, jim yeah. gordon at, at one point as well and it was like if they shot that as a misdirect then you know maybe he's not really lying he's like you know i just cut this fake scene that i never intended to have in the movie <laughs> no no he said really he lying. said he said between the riddler he said between the riddler and barry he actually said between the riddler and barry that's a lot of fun he yeah. didn't make there was no bones about it. He was saying, I cut the scene with the Joker because you dickheads on YouTube exposed it. <laughs> and then he didn't because we were dickheads on YouTube. <laughs> Your mic's muted, Scott. What if, uh what if there was a scene that he cut though? Yeah. I mean, maybe. it comes back around, he's like, Ha, I told you I wasn't lying. <laughs> yeah, well, he said towards the end of the movie, but then he did also in that he says that there's a scene earlier on with the two. So he's kind of like, who knows? Who knows, Andrew? You like being lied to. I love being lied to. If there's one thing I love more than being lied to, it's the Joker, criminally underused. Um, uh, so here's the thing: he looks pretty cool in terms of what we could see of him. He was very shadowy. He looked like a drawing, like a comic book drawing of the Joker. Like the proportions were inhuman, and I thought that was kind of neat. Um, see, here's the thing. Uh, with the Joker, it's so hard. Like, this is the second time now we have had a Batman reboot where we had a great movie that ends with a tease for the Joker's coming up next. And I'm just at the point where I'm like, I don't know what we can do differently with this guy. Um, like I, I, I told you, James, earlier in the week, I think. It's like, imagine if they announced tomorrow, like, it's official. Tom Holland is getting a Spider-Man 4 and the villain's going to be Green Goblin. I'd be like, why? Um, so... With with Joker, the only thing that I think it would be cool and it would fit the world is if they took a certain approach, but I don't even know if they can take it now because we all know it's it's Barry Keen or however you say his name. But be, no, the the whole point of the Joker is nobody ever really knows his origin story, right? Every every telling of Joker is a different origin. Sometimes he's Arthur Fleck, sometimes he's Jack Napier, sometimes he's an unnamed thug, whatever. So he's a comedian. Yeah, sometimes he's a comedian. So if 
if you're going with the same tone of this movie where it's a detective noir movie, like imagine getting a movie where we, the audience, have no idea who is playing the Joker, but underneath that makeup is one of the main characters in the movie. And it's like a Scooby-Doo reveal at the end. It's like, oh my God, the Joker has been Commissioner Loeb this whole time. That would be a great way to do him because the Joker's origin is always in flux anyway. Um, and it would it would just fit this Batman's tone so much better than just, I'm going to blow up a Ferris wheel. <laughs> so I, I don't know, now that we know it's Barry, I don't know what they're going to do with him that could possibly, A, fit this world and B, be different than what we've seen before. What I love is the idea that he doesn't have to do any, he doesn't have to be the big, big, I mean, he probably will be, but he doesn't have to be the big bad because there's this whole world of Gotham now yeah. that he just lives within. And Gotham, I think the, the thing with this trilogy is Gotham is, and Court of Owls makes sense, is Gotham is always going to be the villain of this Matt Reeves universe. It'll like always be Gotham and Joker lives within Gotham. And that's why I think Joker makes a lot of sense to be in there because he makes a lot of sense because the Riddler makes sense because Penguin makes sense. Catwoman, Ventriloquist, uh, yes. Louis the Lilac, Matt Hatter. They all kite man, Egghead, professor pig, <laughs> professor pig, but they can all like, they can just show up and be in there because Gotham is so evil. Gotham is the villain of this story and, and Batman is the hero of Gotham city. He's not the hero of these villains. He's a hero for the city. And so I think that's what that that'll make the Joker different is that Batman doesn't have to stop the Joker. He has to stop everything around the Joker and also the Joker is that we do, but it's bigger than the Joker. It'll always be bigger than the Joker. And that's one thing that, that I think that this universe has going for it uh, that that's going to make it appealing, make it, make it last a long time especially with the hbo shows the penguin show sure it's about penguin catwoman might be about catwoman but gcpd show and the arkham show they're going to be i think very important more important than we might know in terms of establishing gotham as the villain that it is because arkham who knows what deep dark secrets lurk within those halls hmm. who knows yeah. where bruce wayne got that venom yeah, yeah. Could have got Alfred. it from a certain doctor from like uh, South America or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, that might Dude, be what if, what if uh, something that I don't think they've uh, technically haven't done with Joker, they tried to in some of the older movies, um, but have him be Mayor Joker, King Joker, have him actually leading the rogues because he is always an agent. But maybe this Joker is motivated by taking over, by literally snuffing everybody out and just being king of gotham or whatever yeah which and that, fit, look if you do sorry, which Rob. would really fit in with riddler because that's kind of what riddler was starting to do trying to do and that's why he would be like oh i want to be a friend to you because i kind of have similar ideals could be very much make sense yeah absolutely i think those two working together leave oh there's so much there that it's gonna be so much fun and the more joker we get the angrier andrew's gonna get so i'm all in on it. i'm like let's just do i just can't wait I to get the text message portions though Uh oh, sorry, Scotty, you cut out. Oh, you lose me? Yeah, um, I was saying I agree uh, about the proportions of his head and stuff. There was just something about him, man. It was off. Yeah. It was something weird. He's going to be a different, he'll be a different Joker for sure. But now we got to move on to some email questions that we got. Got some email questions. Let's see if I could do this properly. And our first email question 
Hey guys at DC, I just saw the Batman and I loved it, but it had a mini love story arc with Catwoman and Pattinson is still Batman. Also, it is a noir film and dark in tone. Do you see this dividing fans? Thanks for answering my questions, Brenda Farrell. Brenda's asking if the Batman will be dividing fans, and that can't be talking about a certain movie called The Last Jedi, which did not divide fans whatsoever. But this Batman movie, it is. It's very dark. It does have, I mean, I don't know. I think that sexual tension has been there with Catwoman and Batman always. Uh, but what do you think? What do you think, Rob? Is this movie going to divide the fans of the Batman? I don't know about like a divide, like you know, split in half divide. But I do think there is like a, a section of them that uh, that might not like it as much. And you know that that that's a part of like the kids part of it, about it, right? Like you know, it's like you know the fact that the kids can't really attach themselves to this movie as much because of how dark it is, because of how you know. Uh, deep it is in that way because you know when you talk about you know some of the dark knight movies there is some darkness there and it's very gritty and stuff like that but when you even when you look at something like the dark knight like you know the joker's very dark character but he's also very comedic there's i think the joker has in in that one movie him alone has like double the comedy i think that this this movie might have had in, in total like he's he has a, he has a lot for like you know younger kids to even like and as well as you know the dark idealism that you know uh um us older people will will attract themselves to because he's a fantastic version of the Joker. Um, so like, you know, I don't think it's going to be a heavy divide because it's a great movie and, you know, uh, simple as that, but the people that have been, you know, maybe uh, pining for like a lighter Batman, one that could like, you know, live in something like the MCU will probably uh, feel like, you know, like this movie is too far to the other side than what they want to see. Andrew. Uh, I think if if I'm reading Brenda's question right, yeah, it's about the, the tone disparity and, you know, is this movie too dark for a love story? Like, does it make sense? Is it going to divide people because of that? Uh, no, I don't think it's too dark for a love story. Um, and, and again, it wasn't even so much of a love story as it was Bruce had this arc. He had to go from being vengeance to being Batman. And he had Riddler on one side and Catwoman on the other side kind of pushing him in that direction. He just needed both of them. One of them, tough love, extremely tough love with bombs. And the other one being like, hey, you know, you can be a better person. Uh, and they were, Catwoman was there for him. He was there for her. It was more of a partnership I found that completed him than a love story, even though it ended with a big old smooch. Um, I, I don't think that... Uh, we need to worry anymore about this whole idea of it's too dark for our kids. I mean, the last time we got a Batman movie that was really kid friendly was Batman and Robin. Right. I mean, if you look at the Nolan movies, not counting they, Lego Batman. Oh yeah, that's true. Not counting Lego <laughs> Batman. But like you look at the Nolan movies, like they barely had merchandising tie-ins. If I remember, like you had to hunt to find a toy. Like I have a toy of Bane. I had to go to like four different toy stores to find that Bane. Um, I don't think there were any video game adaptations of those Nolan movies. Uh, it was it was not trying to sell you merchandise like Burton and Schumacher were. Uh, and so we just had these three adult movies and then we've kind of been riding that same train. But the thing with kids is if the older kids like something, the younger set will automatically want to experience it because 
they look up to the older kids like, hey, they think it's cool. So we want to be part of that conversation. So the smart thing to do, like Marvel does not pander to children, even though they're owned by Disney, who has made a living off of pandering to children. Marvel does not say like, hey, kids, here's a triple G rated feature about uh, Iron Man. <laughs> no, they just made a fun comic book movie that anybody can enjoy. And an 18 year old can go watch it and then be like, hey, I'm going to bring my seven year old sister because she's going to get a kick out of it because I do. The Batman movies are not really built to pander, especially because of the dark subject matter. So I don't think it's going to upset anyone or divide fans that it's as dark as it is. Gabby? Yeah, man. I was in agreement with most of what Rob just said and where like the only divide would be the kid kid friendly kind of stuff. And uh I think the people who appreciate Batman for the depth of character and uh the different types of Batmans we've seen, like for me, this franchise is a place where a Batman can live that is like for people who are only fans of and really. Like, not Batman with the Justice League, not even Batman who's, like, learning all this stuff from the Raza Ghoul. And, like, the Bane twist and things like that in The Dark Knight kind of took me out of it. I'm I'm more, like, a purist with the Venom Bane and stuff and Arkham, and I hope they lean that way. So it's a less bombastic Batman, and I, I feel like it's a really good counter to the Zack Snyder stuff. But I feel like both of these Batman, like I feel they're very similar, very similar veins out of both of the Batmans. And for me, that's what kind of makes this movie masterpiece for what people say. You know, the overall, just all the tributes to previous movies, the music, the sound. This movie was too good. Too good. <laughs> it's just too good. Too, it was like, enough is enough. I well think said. I think for, for the uh, high Disney, Disney, I think. As dark as the movie was, it wasn't, it was never dark. It was what it was. And it, it was, I said, if you take Batman and the character, you rename all the characters, I think you still have a a fantastic movie at the end of the day. I think it was just, it was like a fun story that kind of strung you along with some in, interesting characters that made you want to see more of. And it, and the and it felt like with the script that it had a firm grasp on what it was. It was never like, oh well, maybe we'll do. It. No, it always knew the next step. Like it was always a step ahead of you, right? Like it was like, well, we're doing this to get to there. We're doing this to get. It always knew what it was doing. It didn't feel like it was making anything up on the spot. It felt like a lot of time, a lot of care was put into to writing it and obviously directing it, but to telling the story. It felt like the story was it was laid out and it was stretched out and the to the runtime's point i i don't like long movies but this one just felt like i was in on it because i liked the way it took its time getting to where i needed to go it didn't rush it there was no jump cut which is there was only one cut that threw me off and that was the we talked about the sandra and scotty when the bike when he's on the bat cycle and he drove off and it almost went to that guy in the dumpster and then it like cut quickly and i was like what just <laughs> happened which who, who was that that was somebody you know, but it was it was small. I just I love the details. I love that it took its time doing what it needed to do instead of, you know, and it wasn't just taking its time for the sake of t- taking its time. It was taking its time for the setup, for the payoff, for the establishment, for everything. It just that's what it did. It just was like, here, here's what we're doing. 
go enjoy it. You can go binge Stranger Things for eight hours. You're going to watch this for three hours. Sit back and relax. That's how we got it. And I love that. I just love that it didn't care. It just is like, this is what we're doing. You're either in or you're out. So, you know, I don't I don't like talking about the runtime too much, but I just, I did, I appreciated, because there are movies that are, and I won't say what they are, Andrew and Rob, you both know, but there are movies that to me are just like, this is just long. <laughs> this one, it, it didn't feel just long. It just, it felt like the story needed that much time to flesh out. Yeah. Just to touch on that, if, uh, if I could real quick, um, the end and how everyone was saying it was slow, like right after he cuts the high voltage and falls and like, it's a, re- he's literally reborn out of the water <laughs> and then is holding the torch, holding the light for all Baptism the people. by fire. Dude, it literally was. And the fact that the mayor's kid is the first one to reach up to him and even the mayor, er, sorry, yeah. the old mayor's kid and then the new mayor still doesn't know how to feel about Batman. And she's like, if this kid can trust him, like, what am I doing? You know, so it was beautiful. The pace slowed, but I, I loved where it went because yeah. there were so many Batman I- moments right there at the end. Even the way he's talking to Selena Kyle I- at the end. I felt like that's where it needed to slow at that point because it needed to have a moment. It needed that moment that you just said. It It needed that. Like, we just went through this adrenaline rush. Slow it down. Let's relax. And let's have a good time. Let's go on to our second email. Uh, If I can. No, my internet's slow. Is it up? We see see it, yep. All right. (laughs) Here we go. I can't. My internet's slowing down. Hey, James, been watching for years after all these videos. I'm dying to know what did you think of the movie? Was it too dark like some of these negative views are implying? Appreciate the read, Marshall Dawson. Kind of what we just talked about a little bit. Um, Definitely don't think it was too dark. I think, I think, um, sorry, that was from Marshall. Marshall. Sorry, Marshall. That was for Marshall. I wrote that out. And I still don't know his name. Sorry. I think what he's uh, what Marshall's uh, referring to is the review video that we did, where there were negative reviews like it's too dark and there's too much rain. If you remember, we talked about that. I think that's what he's alluding to. So there's stuff like that, and uh, I don't know. I think if you if you see the trailer for this movie and you go into this movie, look, it's a good movie. This is the end of the discussion. Is it is a it's a good movie, and I don't know what's on the screen. It's a good movie, and um, it, it like I think critics some like I said some critics seem to be legit, and some of them seem to be uh, you know just YouTubers like us who just are like I have an opinion, you need to hear it. But Andrew, what do you make of that? I don't think the movie was too dark at all. In fact, there were a lot of moments while I was watching, and I want to know if you guys felt the same way, but this is such a, it's not a colorful movie at all. And there were a lot of moments while I was watching it where because it's a noir detective story, I was thinking I would love to watch this movie in black and white. That would be so beautiful. Um, Some things just don't work in black. Like I watched Zack Snyder's Justice League in black and white just for giggles because I loved the movie so much. But CGI action in black and white do not go well together whatsoever. But because so much of this movie is just dialogue and this slow burn and all this tension, it would make a gorgeous black and white movie. Uh, Matt Reeves, if you're watching this and you are, 
some ideas for that Blu-ray, buddy. Black and white version. I mean, there's the comic Batman Black and White. There is. There's so. there's a there is a black and white version because I believe all the scores are done to a black and white right white uh, film. So there is right. That's why Logan. We got Logan in black and white because of that. And Mad Max um, Fury Fury Road. We got that mm. in black and white also because they're so intense in, in that. But Scotty, what do you think? What was the original question? If it's too dark, the dark uh, is too it dark. too dark in tone? Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't think that it overall was too dark for me, but I do understand the people who are saying, um, you know, it's a very niche style. It's very much like Seven. It's very much like the movies that everyone's say, saying he draws inspiration from. Uh, his Batman is Kurt Cobain. Like, that's very niche. So as far as, like, the people like me who are just out here shilling for it, calling it masterpieces, I feel like it's not a movie that's for everybody. So I definitely can agree with, you know, it being too stylized, I guess. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Rob, before I guess, yep. I was just gonna say, before we get to you, let's do a pause for a second because Karen's in the chat and she's got a question right now. Let's get to this chat question going again today. I love this movie, I thought Robert Pattinson was phenomenal. He's my new favorite Batman. We'll watch the rest of it later of this video, I guess. Are you guys seeing it again? And Rob, that's why I wanted to interject because you are seeing it again recently. So before you give your thoughts on the darkness, when are you seeing it next? Uh, the plan is I'm going to see it tomorrow again, and I also think I'm going to try to see it. Uh, I, I It's going to be long, but I kind of want to see, like, the fact that Spider-Man's still in theaters. I kind of want to see a double feature of this and Spider-Man back-to-back. That would I be think a day, that, dude. that would be a that would be a day and a long <laughs> day. day. However, they're yeah. two they're two awesome comic book movies that I've loved recently. So I kind of want to see that and you know the, the economy of them both, right? Uh, but yeah, going to that same point about the dark tone again, it's I I think it's too dark for you depending on what kind of Batman you're kind of yearning to see right now, right? There's a lot of people, and I think we're all ones that have been wanting to see this grim, dark, you know detective story like dealing with this type of uh, you know psychopath that's just gone off the wall crazy a little bit right and the fact that you know it's the riddler at the same time and you get to see riddles and stuff like that like that's that makes it even better but better but there's also the ones that i kind of like mentioned that are kind of looking for more of an mcu like approach that you know although they're not kitty films like andrew and andrew said meant for kids they're ones that are accessible to everybody and the fact that you know just you know, people had a problem with um, uh, Zack Snyder's take on uh, Superman and Batman and how they were both very dark. This this version of Batman's even darker than uh, the Affleck one. So I would think at the same time, it's like, you know, how, do, how does that, this version of Batman uh, associate with a Superman, even though I don't think we're going there. And as you kind of said there, James, I don't think they're really heading towards Batman really meeting another superhero with with powers but at the same time i think people are still kind of yearning for that a little bit and, and yearning for the lighter batman so that's where it's just like um you know they're not critics necessarily but I, you know i've read from plenty plenty of fans in general that are just kind of like you know asking for that type of version especially you know the, the, there's a still a large large contingent of adam west fans and wanting them to go back to that lighter tone and you know it's 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 a shame for them because it's just like i think that's 
that that ship has sailed it's like it went dark and then dark knight returns yeah. came in and all these different comics it's like this is batman now and that's simply it and you know I, I, I feel for them a little bit, and I kind of hope that one day we get to see the lighter, l- l- the lighter um, Adam Westy type of a Batman. But right now, this is the Batman that's selling for audiences. I would love to see a Batman show in the style of Peacemaker. That would be because that that is kind of like Adam West, right? But like. But hardcore. That's Adam West rated R. That's what I would be in on. Let's go to our third email question. <clears throat> Here we go. James just saw the Batman. Wow. I don't know if that's how you wrote it, but that's how I'm saying it. I love it. I can't wait <laughs> no. to see it. <laughs> I can't wait to see it again this Saturday with my brother. Anyway, I was wondering, aside from the three-hour runtime, I couldn't think of one flaw this film has. What about you? Is it perfect or is it just me? Ahola Hector. Um, well, we talked about the good, the bad, and the ugly earlier. The one flaw for me, I, I think just, I don't know, I just one more touch of Alfred towards the end for me is what I would say this movie could have used. Um, just, just, I, I he kind of, he had the moment in the hospital, so we got that moment. But I think if you put half of that moment later on, just to go back to Alfred, right? Because in this movie, we lose the Riddler for so long, but it never feels like we lose him. And then when you get him, you get him. And then at the end, he's there. But but Alfred is such a prominent part of Bruce. like Because every time he goes to the cave, uh, Alfred shows up. Alfred shows up. Alfred shows up and he clearly cares for him. And and Robbie mentioned earlier, he gets the cufflinks right before the bomb, right? That's like the big thing. And so I, I just think one more scene with Alfred at the end would have, would have, I don't know if would have, would have put it over the top. I think this movie's already over the top, but that would, that would be my one gripe with it. I guess, Scotty, what was, what would you say was the flaw of this film or is it perfect? It's tough, man. Um, you can say the Joker again. Yeah, I, I was gonna say like, there's just a lot of question marks at the end of this as far as like his design. I feel like is my biggest gripe because that character is so hard to do, and uh, Andrew hit on it earlier. Like, how can you do him different? I think that this like disproportionate, like deformed looking super super sketchy joker could be the way to go and where he's wearing like the mask that looks normal joker and when he pulls it up you just start to see like the missing gum lines and things like that yeah rob what was imperfect about this movie i mean i think we covered it a little bit but the one that i actually thought of while we were talking about it as well is that you know especially now that you just mentioned the bomb going off and the scene that follows immediately afterwards that blows up and he winds up in the police station and it's like that result was basically him punching a cop breaking out of prison these cops wanting wanting his head and so i think that's about the only part that it was like what just changed there why weren't the cops kind of like hunting him still afterwards a little bit because that part was maybe slightly overlooked uh, because like, you know, they were ready to, you know, want to take off his mask and, you know, uh, him breaking out of the police station. We just really escalated that whole thing more. And so that's maybe one other thing that I think maybe, uh, could have been, um, smooth out a little bit better. That's fair. 
Andrew? Yeah. Andrew's Hector. Joker. Anytime Joker shows up at anything. <laughs> Hector, there's only one perfect movie, and it's the 1985 martial arts epic Jim Cotta. Okay. Um, the no, the only I mean, I mentioned the gripes. I I want uh, I wanted the Thomas Wayne thing to be a much more prevalent, like he was a bad dude thing. But as we've said, like that's something that we can talk more about in the sequels. Uh, so I'm not going to sit here and, and poo-poo that yet uh, because it's it, there's definitely room for that to grow. Uh, you bring up a good point, Rob, though, about the, the like the cops and all that and how it just kind of came and went and there was nothing to it. Uh, the one thing that we hear Matt Reeves say a lot is that this movie used to be quite a bit longer. Uh, and he keeps reminding us of that. Yeah. So maybe just some things had to get lost. Uh, you know, something had to go on the cutting room floor. And I don't know, maybe we're going to have uh, an extended cut one day. I don't know. I don't think we're going to get an extended cut. I think Reeves made it clear that this was his cut that we're getting. But I think the GCPD show could take, if that's what you're if that if you are right, Andrew, those will be deleted scenes maybe, but those elements could be used on the GCPD show. Uh, Arnold says that Andrew hates billionaires, and that is absolutely correct. You're not I mean, wrong, Arnold. Um, <laughs> the problem with superhero movies and comic book movies is that there's going to be a sequel, so you can leave things for the sequel. Mm-hmm. But is it always the right way to go about it? That's that's the question. We have one more email question to get through. Here's our email right here. Hey, DC. Currently, the Rotten Tomatoes audience score is 93%, and the critic score is 85%. Those aren't much different. However, there are thousands of audience scores and only hundreds of critic scores. Why do you think critics are enjoying the Batman less than the fans? Thanks for reading my email, Clark Morris. Uh, it's not a big discrepancy there. I just, we talked about this on one of our, our shows before where there were reviews of the Rotten Tomatoes where it's like, we said this earlier today, where it's dark, too dark, too much rain, and this is what I want. And actually somebody pointed out that one of them is a critic, but their Twitter ha- name is like Marvel Fangirl or something. And it's like, <laughs> well, like, 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 and this is my thing with Rotten Tomatoes is like, who are, there are top critics, and I would like to see the percentage of the t- top critics it might even be lower but i would like to see what the percentage is because for me critiquing films has turned from people who uh well i think everybody appreciate but understand it and are critiquing the movie itself and the story and the direction the lighting and all of that you know like roger ebert siskel and ebert way 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 back like these people cared about it and wanted to tell you this is a good movie for these reasons and now it's not critiques, it's opinions that are getting up on Rotten Tomatoes and all these things. And, you know, like, I have an opinion of this movie. It's freaking fantastic. That's not a review. That's my opinion. If I was, if I were to critique this movie, it might change. But I'm not critiquing it because Batman, Star Wars, and Spider-Man all get a free pass from me. <laughs> but that's how I feel. I just think there's too many opinions and not, and not critiques uh, from a lot of these reviewers nowadays. Andrew? Yeah, uh, what's the name of the person who wrote this question? Sorry, something Morris? It was Clark, Clark Morris. Morris. Clark, uh, we, we got to remember not to put too much stock in Rotten Tomatoes. It's just an aggregate at the end of the day. And based on what I've seen of especially modern professional critics, and I hate to make this generalization, but professional critics, their their go-to setting seems to be, I'm going to 
shit on whatever's popular and I'm only going to like Oscar bait movies. Um, and that's just because all the critics I've listened to seem to follow that road. It's like, okay, everybody loves Marvel. Let's hate it. Uh, and, and then I feel like that can kind of translate into anything that has a superhero in it. So I feel like a lot of the low critic scores are just people coming from that direction. You know, oh, it's not Scorsese, so we hate it. Um, and I, I, I don't know. That, that's just me. That's just how I see it. And I feel like at the end of the day, the only opinion that matters, Clark, is yours. Right. Uh, the, I was talking to some friends earlier where I was like, I said, you know, I said straight up, I was like, The Dark Knight Rises is my favorite Batman movie, but this might be a new champion, the Batman. And the only thing that those people I talked to got out of it was, how can you say The Dark Knight Rises is better than The Dark Knight? And it just, <laughs> it turns into this thing that it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be that. Just love what you love and make a safe space for everybody to love what they love. And if these critics hate it, right, they can hate it all they want. All I know is I can't wait to watch this again. Scotty? Yeah, I'm going to be seeing it again, um, mainly because my girlfriend, bless her, allowed me to go see this the first showing I could because I didn't want any of it spoiled. But And for anyone who like is on the fence about it or has a significant other that isn't into comic stuff, I'm telling you, man, the Selena Kyle storyline with Bruce Wayne like your girlfriend's going to fall in love with both of those characters if they do it anywhere near what they do in the comics. Uh, so for me, like this movie and the criticism that it's getting from the the old heads like us, the comic fans, like it's going to bring in more people and it's going to get them to read that stuff. The Court of Owls stuff, if they do it, like I just think this movie is overall good for Batman, good for the franchise. And like the little nitpicking and stuff like that, there's a lot of it that's going on for views and people admit it. You know, a lot of a lot of YouTubers credit, whatever, you, you know, that's your grind. But they're they're obvious about it nowadays. So, you know, kind of where to go and, you know, what you're going to get when you go there. And uh, I, I get guilty of it. I've been dragged into it and I, I get toxic at times. But you got to just focus on, you know, what makes you love this stuff, really. Yeah, and then yeah. you tell them they're wrong. Rob, you you uh <laughs> and then we you all joke fight Andrew now it. because yeah. <laughs> Rob, why don't you Hopefully. fight Andrew now about the Dark Knight versus Dark Knight? Rob, I'm just joking. What do you make of this wrong? <laughs> uh no, yeah. I, I make of it like, you know, looking at that percentage, like, you know, there's not much of a gap there at all. Like it's still like, you know, whether ninety something what, what was the number for fan rating? It was ninety two or something like that in the nineties. 93 of of fans like the movie versus 85% of critics like the movie. There's not much of a gap there. It's not like something like uncharted, which was like 40% versus 90% or, you know, uh, even like uh, something like Batman V Superman. That's like 25% versus uh, 60 something percent like uh, on that. That's a much like bigger disparity, I think. And it's like, when you look at this movie, like, I understand why, you know, critics might not like it as much. Like, you know, we're running into those fan ratings of the people that within, you know, the first couple of days that this movie has come out. So the people that are really wanting to see it have seen it now. So that usually 
equates to like this big fan rating right now. And when it comes to the critics, I mean, this, this, this movie goes on such far of a tone that if it's like, if that tone isn't for you or something like that, or at least that this tone isn't for you for a comic book movie, then, you know, that, that's what, that could, that's what could lead to, you know, uh, some of the critics not liking it. And when it comes to critics in general and that are on Rotten Tomatoes, I mean, there are more YouTubers on, on Rotten Tomatoes now than ever before. And it's like th- those people get to have, have their say and, and whatnot. It's not like the same type of you know, uh, critic aggregator that you'd be looking at, you know, like 15 years ago or something like that. Right. Like the, 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 the critic game has changed a lot. And it's like, you know, at the same time, these are all their opinions. And it's like when we're looking at things that, you know, it's like, oh, they seem to like all the uh, all, all these types of, you know, uh, awards like, you know, uh, movies and stuff like that. But at the same time, it's like you look at something like the MCU every single movie of the MCU except for Eternals has been very positively received by the critics. And it's just like, you know, you look at something like uh, Spider-Man, which was well into the nineties, like no way home and stuff like that. So, so, so fans and critics can be united on some of that, this type of stuff. And like I said, like, you know, at the end of the day, it's just when you look at one person's review, that's just one person's view. You can still go see it and decide for yourself and whether you like it or not. If you're hyped to see this movie, you should 100% go see it. And even if you're on the fence about this movie and you're hearing all this stuff about it, I think that this movie is worth going to go see just because of, you know, how different it is, like, you know, than something like the MCU. Just just as a comparison point, even if you're not excited to see this movie, I think it's a really good movie to see because you get to see, like, it's like, oh, this is what, you know, like a very, very gritty superhero movie looks like. And, you know, you get, you get that out of it. So, yeah, just bring just if, if, if your bladder's small, just bring a, a cup to, to go in in case you have to. This is a very solid movie. Like take superheroes. It's just a good it feels like, you know, I said this yesterday on the, the, the non-spoiler review, but it was my first time back in the theater since. Spider-Man, which isn't that long, but it was still a couple of months, and this was like the great, the perfect movie to go back and experience in the theater because it was just, it was a film. Like it was, this was everything you want to go to see the movie for, and uh, whatever critics were critics and and whatever, and like like it's still like it's such a high, like eighty whatever percent is still really high when you're given the amount of people who just like to hate things, right? We see the hate, you know, you see the hate, uh, what is it, the hate vote, downvoting because we restore the Snyderverse on Godzilla versus King Kong, and you're like, you know. So, yeah, trust yourself. Get to know critics. If you are following the YouTubers, get to know people online and social media that you appreciate and respect and that their opinions, and those are the ones that maybe you should trust more than anything. Guys, I want to do one more topic before we wrap it up for the day. I want to talk about Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Scotty uh, is very excited for it because he saw the thumbnail. I'm going to talk about Bo- this is from the Hollywood Reporter box office. Robert Pattinson's The Batman bites off big $21.6 million in previews. As he goes on to say, the superhero pick is sure to snag the biggest opening of the pandemic era behind Spider Man's No way home the batman took flight at the domestic box office with 21.6 million in previews for warner brothers that includes thursday night shows that includes thursdays and limited tuesday and wednesday imax seats uh the 200 million dollar event pick starring robert pattinson as the cape crusader is widely expected to zoom past 100 million by sunday and score the second biggest since the pandemic uh so um so yeah what do you guys think of this andrew i'll start with you this is big news for the batman this is hitting big 
uh darkness uh be damned i guess people had enough <laughs>, laughs with spider-man now they're going in to cry Is that <laughs> <laughs> that's a beautiful number for opening day they should be proud that did really well i don't think anybody expected this movie to not do well batman movies just they make money man that's how it goes so i think we're looking at possibly let's just quickly scanning what's what's coming up this year possibly like in the top three highest grossing films of 2022. I don't see that being outside the realm of possibility. So good on them. And I mean, we already know Rob's going to see it six more times. So there's money in the bank right there. <laughs> no, totally. And I mean, you, you kind of th threw it to me there. It's like, yeah, this, this is perfectly serviceable. Like, you know, on the, on the side of things, you know, people might've been hoping for more and stuff like that, but yeah, I mean, you're still looking at like, you know, in the middle of a pandemic and, you know, I know that we're starting ahead of it, but I don't think we're done yet, unfortunately, but that's me talking about that. Never mind anything else, but, uh, uh, you know, second, second highest, which includes like, you know, stuff like black widow and, uh, Shang-Chi and venom and all that type of stuff. So this is a, a decent accomplishment. I mean, 22 million, and then we'll see what it gets on Friday and Saturday and Sunday. And, you know, um, yeah, like it'll it'll be well into the hundreds. I'm still I was still hovering around 130 that I was guessing, uh, and I'll probably stick around that amount, and we'll, we'll see. Hopefully, it gets there. Hopefully, it gets higher. I mean, I'd love to see this movie make all the money. Yeah, that'd be great. Scotty. Before I get to you, I want to bring in uh, two movies that uh, it did better than for previews that came out before the pandemic. So there are two DC movies that it beat in previews before the pandemic. And then the reason why I want you to touch base on this is one of them is suicide squad, which earned 20.5 million. So just a million and a bit off. And the other one is the Joker. The Joker only made $13.3 million in previews. And of course the Joker went on to make over a billion dollars at the box office. So Scotty, I just, before we got to you, I wanted to give you those numbers as well. Yeah. I think uh, I said stupid high numbers when we were making our predictions, like yeah, 700, <laughs> like 700. And uh, I really think that if, I mean, with even the added stuff now that's going on, I feel really bad for, you know, moviegoers and people who enjoy their entertainment. Uh, I can only speak from where I'm at the great state of new york we just started lifting things so if that's a sign of future things then yeah i think people are looking for something to do that's outside of the house go watch this movie <laughs> so go watch this movie it's good no yeah and i think you if you predicting 700 million like worldwide i think that movie's that that number is like almost a guarantee in my opinion, actually, I could see it passing a billion because um, like in total, because I mentioned this, I think a week ago was that um, the key thing about, uh, about, about this movie worldwide numbers, it's going to be released in China. Something that MCU movie mm. hasn't, hasn't had uh, since um, uh, what would it be? Spider-Man uh, two, the second one, I forgot what it was called again, uh, far from home. Uh, that, that's gonna be the first M M MCU uh, since that movie. Uh, no, no other MCU movie last year got released in uh, in China. So mm. I wouldn't I would not be surprised if that number for China for the Batman is higher than I think people would have predicted. Just because you know uh, a superhero movie is coming back to to theaters in China and people might flock to it. And you know, not for nothing, they're actually promoting the Marvel Batman over there right now. Like Moon Knight is not for nothing. He is an amalgamation of this character. So yeah, overseas, like they could be wanting Batman even more than we are right now. 
Yeah. Very good point. Yeah. Well, overseas, there is some overseas budgets that have come in. It's doing pretty well. It's making a million, a couple million bucks, but it's not in Russia right now. Uh, that's where it's not playing. Uh, where is it? I can't see. Overseas, the Batman opened to a promising 5.3 million on Tuesday and Wednesday from its, from a handful of markets. Uh, 47 markets on Thursday is when it is officially launching overseas, um, except for Russia, which Warner Brothers is not releasing movies there. Uh, France, it earned 1.4 million and 2.1 in total from the previous screening. So that's not bad. It's doing well. People, like you said, Scotty, people want to go back. They want to go back to the theater. Uh, and sure. this movie, um, well, I, you know, and this is Batman. Everyone loves Batman. You know, I grew up with Adam West. You grew up with Michael Keaton. You grew up with Val Kilmer. You grew up with George Clooney. God bless you. You grew up with Christian Bale, <laughs> with Kevin Conroy. Like everybody grew up with a Batman. And and again, like I said yesterday, the problem with Batman is as much like Star Wars, everybody had a different entry point into Batman, and everybody has a different idea of what Batman is and what a Batman movie should be. I think ultimately, though, while this one might not bring you a total. It does end on a positive note, though. Well, this one might not be so joyful. This is a damn good movie. It is a strong movie. This is, you know, I I, I probably put it maybe a just a not, not nudge below Zodiac in terms of how good it is. And, and, you know, it want if if it, it, parts of it wants to be Zodiac, and then it kind of gets it doesn't want to be it totally. But and they also solve his riddles a lot easier than the Zodiacs. But you know, it, it's it's right up there. It's just a solid film. It's you know, it, maybe it's not the Batman movie. We technically nobody grew up with Batflex as uh, says Disney does he? I well, not yet. There'd only be what like eight right now, seven. <laughs> well, I guess some people did, but this is not. This movie is definitely not for them. Um, but again, the Joker made a billion dollars, and this movie feels like a a spiritual spiritual relative to the Joker in a lot of ways, like in tone and in style. And that one's called the Joker, and this one's called the Batman. And that one, the whole t- the Joker fills the screen in the opening titles, and this one, the Batman fills the screen with the opening titles. There's so, no no, you know, no the Joker, same, just Joker. Same wavelength. <laughs> Let's be honest. We don't we don't grow up with any of these characters. The characters take us back, man. We go back to our childhoods with these characters. But this one, I think, for you know, for uh, for us older who grew up with Batman taking us back, you're giving us an adult story with a guy dressed up as a bat and a guy giving riddles to solve a crime and a cat burglar who's literally a cat woman and a penguin who is uh, what a performance that. Just I just Colin Farrell, I just thought was so good in this. Like you forget he's Colin Farrell for a bit. Every once in a while his voice, so I was like, Oh, that's Colin Farrell's voice. All right, we got this. But I thought he was excellent. He was in it way more than I thought. Um, there's good news for the movie. We'll find out on Monday how it actually did, because it might just tank from there. Everybody that wanted to go see it might have gone to see it, and that's it. It's all gonna hell. Our estimates I think are still saying is around 130, 140 for the weekend, but it's at 21 right now. It's in you know, that's a good starting point. You only have to do 120. Now to make it there and Friday, this is a big day. Karen just said in the comments that she's going again. Rob, you're going right after we finish recording. You're waiting to leave right now. Andrew, you out you downloaded it illegally. And Scotty, you Yarr. said you're gonna see it again. I'm definitely gonna go see it again. It's I can't so wait to fun. watch it in the fall. I hope the, the Blu-ray's out by like summer so I can watch it around Halloween. It's hitting HBO Max on April 19th, I believe, is the date for HBO Max. You know where I want to watch this movie? Where? drive through we oh, have yeah? drive-thrus down uh, here i would love to see this in a drive-thru with just the massive speakers outside 
the mm-hmm. Batmobile while all the other cars are running next to you, like oh, revving man. their engines. Oh yeah, <laughs> there'll be trucks out there revving with him, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> yep. Yeah, this would be a this would be a lot of fun to watch in the in the drive driving for sure. I haven't been to a driving in forever, but they're they need to come back. I thought actually, I thought when Halloween kills came out. It was delayed a year from last Halloween. I thought last Halloween it should have played for Halloween weekend only at drive-ins. That they yeah. should just on Halloween weekend only drive-ins is like a special preview a year in advance because I think it would have slaughtered. I would have gone. That would have been so much fun. You get to see Halloween and Halloween weekend in the drive-in. They missed the perfect boat. Oh, sorry. Hi, uh, Dizzy. Dizzy saying hi. You can't uh, admit to downloading illegally on the internet. Andrew, how dare you? Yeah, don't worry, Disney. I didn't actually do that because I don't know how. Because <laughs> my internet's it. not good enough. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anybody accuses me, just watch any of these live shows. You know yeah. The internet's downloading you, not the other way around. <laughs> Seriously, that's how it is. Good news for the Batman, $21 million. Huge hit coming up on this one uh before we leave before we wrap it up this is a batman movie this is our what seventh eighth ninth batman whatever it's been uh movie and we had the joker movie where where do you guys feel this fit fits in it is this like top two or bottom two or is it somewhere in the middle for you andrew i'll start with you i mean you kind of gave your answer away at the beginning anyway but we'll start with you I feel like it might either be my number one or number two. What I need to do now is I need to distance myself from it and ask myself if I would feel the same way if there was no Riddler. Because I know the Riddler is color, in my opinion, a bunch. So I need to just step away and ask myself, bias aside, would I still love this movie? Because right now it's either number one or number two. Like that and The Dark Knight Rises are really just kind of vying for that top spot. Uh, So that's where it's sitting. Rob? Yeah, for me, I mean, it's hard for me to rank it specifically quite yet because, again, like, when it comes to me, for me, it's like, you know, The Dark Knight, that's like my 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 top one, and I can't, uh, I can't match it up to The Dark Knight. I can't match it up to a movie that I've literally seen like a hundred times, right? I've seen this movie once. It can't match up to a whole bunch of those movies. So, like, right now where I'm sitting it is like top tier. And top tier for me is stuff like Batman, Batman, sorry, The Dark Knight, Batman Begins, and another one that people don't talk about enough, but I think it's one of the best uh, written Batman stories ever is Batman and Mask of the Phantasm. Bas- Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Mm-hmm. That, it, it, it's in that top tier of those to, those ones. Where it's, where it's going to wind up sitting, uh, I'll, I'll find out later after I've seen it multiple times because... That's what literally uh, fits in, like, you know, to be in the top tier because I watched The Dark Knight every now and then. I watched it on the plane on the way to China. I was driving, I was flying to China and I still watched The Dark Knight. So, yeah, <laughs> I still love to watch that movie. And, uh, yeah, right now, it's just the, the Batman's top tier uh, Batman movie in general. Mask of the Phantasm is amazing. Scotty. Yeah, I mean, as far as like being the first of this trilogy, I, I've never really been like completely 100% fanboy over the Christian Bale trilogy. The third movie in the Bane kind of stuff was just didn't seem like it fit for me. Like I wish they maybe did a more grounded villain like what they're doing in these. I feel like they try to do the best of both worlds in that trilogy. So that was a miss for me. And I, I'm putting this Batman 
up there next to it until I know how the whole trilogy ends. But I'm leaning like this could be better than Bale. Um, Affleck didn't have enough time for me to shine as Batman. I think the Flash movie is going to finish that arc. So I think after that, we might be able to better place where Affleck lands for me. But there's really things I like about one that I don't about the other. It's too hard to, to judge a top three. Uh, but right now, I think I'm at, you know, Bale still because it's a full trilogy. Then you put Pattinson. Then you put Affleck for me. The Batman, the Batman, the Batman, Batman Forever, the Batman. <laughs> this is top tier for me. Absolutely on yeah. top of the world. On this one, I have to watch it again. I mean, look, it's so fresh. It's so fresh. Uh, like Rob, like you said, like I've had 14 years, like 14 years with the Dark Knight. I've lived with that movie for so long. I think I personally like Rises better. That might be my favorite of that trilogy as well. Please highlight the comment. It. Just. <laughs> <laughs> nice to be oh, where is it there we go of course robert pattinson is going to shine better he has skin that glitters <laughs> <laughs> there's always one there's always one <laughs> oh, that's fantastic i i i i think um you know the, the one thing though is and actually for me uh the batman is is top of the top of the, the barrel it's, it's it was just so good it's definitely the number one it was uh, for me it's still is it's, it's the best Batman story we've gotten. Um, time will tell on the movie, but I just think story in terms of Batman and all that is the best one we've gotten on film with all the villains and everything that played out. Um, so t- time's definitely going to tell on it, though, like because you gotta, I don't know, everything takes so long. You gotta live into it. But as one solo film, it just it, it was just so good. But the one thing I will say is you can't compare Pattinson's Wayne to Affleck or Bale or Keaton. Uh, His Wayne is a completely different character. And I remember when Ben Affleck got the role of of Batman, someone talked, you know, the journalists all went to Matt Damon to ask him what he thought. And he goes, well, I mean, Batman, you're not really acting when you're Batman. You act when you're Bruce Wayne. And this movie is the opposite. Like, I mean, he's not the opposite. He acts both times, but Batman is the character and Bruce Wayne is the alter ego. And this, I think the Batman performance was probably our strongest Batman performance that we've ever gotten. And the Bruce Wayne is just such a different Wayne. Like, we haven't got a Bruce Wayne like this. There's a mopey, droopy, like, I don't want to, he almost like, he doesn't want to be here, right? But he's, and and his only mission in life is to be the Batman and to finish what his father started. Oh, and it's it's kind of like it's he's not even acting as Bruce Wayne. He's kind of still acting as Batman as is Bruce Wayne, because he's not really putting on a persona like Affleck puts on a little bit of a persona. Bale definitely puts on a persona as Bruce Wayne, right? I mean, I'll hear like even when he's Bruce Wayne, he's still Batman. He's not really putting on like a different type of performance. It's just Bat Bruce Wayne almost isn't like kind of its own character in this in this movie. It's kind of just Batman and Batman light. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah. And we can't under understate the level of eye acting that Pattinson did as Batman too. It was every time his eyes did something and that cow was so intense. The at funeral, the funeral when he sees the thumb drive and he just looks up at Gordon, just like oh he he did so well. All of the yeah. glances between him and Selena Kyle when they first meet. Yeah. And yes. it's like, here's the photo, here's how she knows her. Why are you here? Help me do this. It's like every glance meant something in that scene it was cool mm-hmm. that was probably the hardest acting he's ever done 
I can't. I'm not an actor, Andrew. You are. That's got to be tough, man. Just going with your eyes. Like, oh yeah. I have no. I have no lines. Just follow my eyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. What's harder, your eyes only being exposed or being in an entire mask like Pedro Pascal? Pedro Pascal. Uh, <laughs> the mask is tricky because then it becomes, and I think Anthony Daniels has talked about this, where you have to put all the acting into the rest of your body because the audience can't see what your face is doing. So we have yeah. to know if C-3PO is sad or not, or if he's scared or excited based on like every fiber of Daniels' body is showing us that. So I'll take the eye acting any day. <laughs> yeah, me too, actually. As big of a fan as I am of The Mandalorian, The Mandalorian performance of like the helmet is kind of very reliant off of cinematography as well. Like, you know, the yeah. spot where the camera is. So I, I yeah, I think that, uh, you know, it, it's important in, in terms of like how you act with the helmet. But like, you know, it, the cinematography is extremely key as well. Mm-hmm. And the stunt double that does all the walking in that suit. <laughs> 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 Pedro Pascal hasn't been in that suit in three years. I don't even think he was in Boba Fett. I think that was all stunned and he just did the he just was like in like Spain or wherever he was shooting another shoot. Where is he shooting? Uh dead uh, what's that what's that one called? The Lost last of us. us. Where you know he's a like, Canada. Hey, hey, Pedro. Yeah, well, yeah, they were probably going that sound booth and say <laughs> these lines. He's like, Okay, what's this for? Amanda, it's for the Boba Fett show. Oh, okay. And he did the lines and he went back and, and that was it. That's what I think. But anyway, I could be wrong and I don't care because it's all, it's all fun. But let's wrap this up, guys. This has been so much fun. Thanks for talking spoilery talk with Batman. We got more to talk about with Batman. Not today, though, because this movie is going to uh, add topics to our lives for many, many days, months, and years to come. So, Scotty, thanks for joining me. Where can everybody find you? Hawks Holocrons everywhere, mainly uh, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. And Andrew, where can everybody find you? Find me on Andrew Fantasia YouTube channel where I have my show Thumb Together, which is all movie stuff and sometimes TV stuff. And on Instagram at Andrew underscore Fantasia. And Rob? Uh, just on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Robert E. McDonald, as you see there. There, there, right there. Yeah. So give those YouTube channels a subscribe and uh, give Rob a uh, follow on Twitter so you can see all of his. Oh, you're on Letterboxd. You should promote your Letterbox. That's where everybody wants to. I do my Letterbox as well, I suppose. Yeah. So if you do want to uh, at at Nightwing with uh, with uh, the G is a six instead of a G. So there. Oh, you go. Nightwing with a six. There. Somebody wants Nightwing in the Matt Reeves universe. Maybe that's coming. Maybe that's coming <laughs> to Batgirl. But this is it. It's been Friday. It's been very casual. Thank you all so much for watching with us and commenting a lot. It really does mean a lot to us. Uh, but um, this is it. That's our spoiler talk. We'll be back another day to talk more. But until then, may you be the master of your own universe. And vengeance.